0: 18 years, five months ago, I'm in a complete panic. Uh, so I called some friends of mine that had already had kids, because then Melissa will be here in about two months. And so I said, hey guys, I need to have dinner with you. I'm going to come through town. And we're going to go eat. Okay, great. What's wrong? Nothing. Just meet me for dinner. Okay, great. At the time, her, name was, her nickname was Sally because we were arguing over Emily or, Emily or Elise. So we ended up sticking them together there at the end. But, so I, I, I'm sitting there with my friends that I've known since I was 12. And I'm like, guys, I, I'm not feeling anything. Something's wrong with me. And they were like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I have Tate, and that's great, but I've never gone through the birthing process. and I'm not feeling anything for the baby yet. So Scotty just belly laughs right there at the table. And I'm like, this isn't funny, Scott. I mean, at all. And he said, i tell you what. You're fine. This is normal. If after she's born you feel this way, call me immediately. Within a week or two, my dad calls me, and we're talking about it, and he says, those little girls, they'll break your heart. I didn't know what he meant by that until it actually happened but fatherhood is good and fun and really hard. Um, So this morning uh, the text went out, does anybody want to preach and you know crickets, uh, nobody answers and I had just been through uh, some scripture I thought would work and so I thought well I'll just do it, that's fine, that's easy. Um. And I started digging in, and it wasn't easy. Everybody, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for showing up this morning. Some of you knew I was going to talk, and you came anyway. That's amazing. And uh, also, uh, in addition to that, um, you'll you'll be happy to know that I actually shortened this down to just under an hour. So... Anyway, we're going to be taking a break from Jake's lessons on Jonah. And before we do that, we're going to go into some dad jokes, because that's what you do on Father's Day, right? How do you have a party in space? You plan it. Right? Thank you. Thank you. What is leather and sounds like a sneeze? A shoe. Uh Yeah? Okay, one more, one more. What kind of shoes do bananas wear? Slippers. Slippers. That's right. Okay. I think I like the fake laugh the best. I always get a kick out of Jake's disclaimers that he puts in front of his lessons. And I've got a couple that that I really wanted to kind of go over with you this morning um i'm not the regular preacher shella if the online attendance drops dramatically just keep that information to yourself i i don't need to know okay by the way thanks for everybody that's online with us today really appreciate that also wanted you to know if you don't know me very well at all i am actually not even a preacher so i'm really kind of trying to lower expectations this morning and this is not even really a sermon. Adam and I had this conversation this morning. He didn't teach this morning, he facilitated. I'm just talking. Um, this is actually an unpaid attempt at explaining what God has showed me in his word uh, lately. I um, actually didn't know it was going to be that hard when, it ha- when I started this. But also, um, this is important. I make no promises that my delivery will be effective, easy to follow, or even understand repeatable or otherwise useful so we're going to go back to this disclaimer side frequently and often just so you know in all seriousness though i was in hebrews 12 when that text came across and i thought oh let's talk about the father and the father's love coach talked about hebrews 12 and his so i'm going through the i'm going through the hebrews 12 And I figure out, or it dawns on me that there's a there's a pattern that takes place. Um, By the way, uh, that was the foreshadowing of the brick. Uh, A herringbone Chicago paver is one of my favorites. By the way, in case you're wondering, which is what you're seeing on the screen there. So I hope that today's lesson will bless you as much as it does me, or even a tenth would be nice. i 've wrestled with how to present this text for the past several weeks, and it just hasn 't it hasn 't been easy it 's hard for me it was hard for me to understand and for myself to hear it, and so it 's going to be even harder for me to tell you about it because i 'm um, adamantly opposed to fire and brimstone preachers i 'm adamantly opposed to guilting you into the water or guilting you into obedience i 'm adamantly opposed at any cost to get you into thinking or being fearful of God's love. That's not how it works. So as I go through this lesson today, and we're going to be talking about the discipline later on of God, that's hard for me to balance the discipline with the love. So before we get started in Hebrews 12, though, I do want to set this up a little bit. In Matthew 28, at the end of the, at the, end of the Gospel of Matthew, there is what they call the Great Commission. He says, Jesus came to them and he said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the the age. So I want you to remember... The commission is to go make disciples. So um, if, if there's a way to go and make disciples, we're going to talk about the pattern that we found in Hebrews 12. It starts with this, developing faith. If you're following in the bulletin, there's very few blanks you're going to have to put in there. It's followed up with discipleship. And it ends with peace and unity. I'm going to use some very specific examples from this, uh, organi- from this church body that I hope uh, is received in the kindness that I um, wish to, to, to give it. Because uh, n- nothing that I say this morning is out of malice or otherwise uh, have any ulterior motives to it. Um, I will say... That I'm really excited that I get to follow the the uh, the first service where we stand and sing the whole time. <laughs> Praise God for that. I'm not sure how you follow that, but just bear with me. So we're in Hebrews 12. Are we all ready? Let's start in verse one. Then Jesus came to them and said, "Oh, sorry, that was Matthew 28." i got to turn the pages in my notes. Y'all don't want to hear the same page all day, do you? Okay. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before us. Him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood, and you have completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son or his children in some uh, translations. And then he quotes Proverbs 3. He says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And he he chastens everyone that he accepts as his son or children. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If they are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, in order that they might share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Later on, however, it does produce a harvest of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level the path for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Okay. So the checklist, here we go. Develop faith. We're going to go through that first. Keep in mind that when we're going through Hebrews 12, we're following Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 was the faith hall of fame and he goes through all of the different people in the Old Testament that had a great deal of faith. So if we like to use or quote Hebrews 11, 1 that now faith is the confidence in which we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, then Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 is exactly what faith looks like. At a glance, the very first sentence in verses 1 and 2 seems like just an introductory main sentence. But in the very first fragment of the very first sentence, there's actually two things that we need to look at. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there's two things happening here. If you have faith, you produce a witness. And the second thing is, those people live in eternity. The second part of the sentence let us throw off every hin- everything that hinders, or some translations say, weights us, and the sin that so easily entangles us. If you look super close at this fragment, there's two more things in there. One, there's things that happen to us, whether we deserve it or not, whether we did it or not, whether it's a result of our sin or not. But there's things that happen to us, and there's things that, and then there's our sin as well. So one of the most frequent complaints that I get when I teach or preach, um, besides uh, Katie's affectionate, uh, what she calls my Huffstetler pause, which is where I sit for just way too much long in, in silence, besides that, the, the, the biggest complaint is application. Brad, I need more application. Okay. So Christ endured the hardship of the cross because of the joy that he could see after the cross. On the other side of the very hard, life ending torture, he took a shameful death on the cross and destroyed the shame when he rose again three days later. We don't deserve some of the things that happened to us. Christ certainly didn't deserve to be tortured to death. But we have to look beyond the hard things that we're in right now and look towards the joy afterwards. This is the faith. This is the application of the faith. I did put down here other scripture uh, where there are other definitions in use and context in scripture. Uh, You can go into those at some of the time. I did want you to see those because when I talked about this pattern that I saw in Hebrews... The most interesting thing about the pattern is it's actually in almost every, if not every, epistle in the New Testament. All of them say this. First, develop faith. Second, go through discipline. And third, or discipleship. And third, seek peace. In, I saw it in Romans, I saw it in Galatians, I saw it in Ephesians, I saw it in Hebrews, which is where we're at this morning. It's in James, it's in 1 John, it's also in 1 and 2 Peter as well. Did I go backwards accidentally? I did, didn't I? Okay, but what happens in Hebrews, in this chapter in Hebrews, is he, is he immediately goes from faith And he goes right straight into discipline. When he says, uh, when you struggle against sin and you resisted, have you not resisted to the point of shedding your blood? Have you forgotten this word of encouragement? Now, this word of encouragement that he talks about here, this word of encouragement, this is the same word that uh, John uses in the Gospel of John as well as 1 John. And it is a... uh, It is a... It's a consoling, um, it's an advocacy. So he says, don't forget the consoling word, and the consoling word is here, son. Now, this is not just any son. This is a very specific kind of son or child. The meaning here is the 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 child that inherits the estate so if he addresses us as the children that will inherit eternal life we must remember that Jacob and Esau they were both sons sure but Esau before he traded it was going to have the inheritance that's the thing that we want that's the that's what we're going to try to go after He also says next that we should endure hardships as discipline because God's treating you as his children. Now, this isn't exactly a great translation. Um, hardship as discipline is actually only just one word, um, which means to train or to actively teach or to actively train a child. So it just says endure that discipline or endure the training, endure the teaching, endure the, endure the, uh, the, uh, the coaching, if you will. And don't forget that believing in the New Testament, the verb, is the same exact word as faith. Believe is the verb. Faith is the noun. So my belief is my faith. And it's no secret or it's no coincidence that the word disciple, the word discipline, and the word discipleship all have the same root word. You have to go through it. So in order for me to understand and to be agreeable to becoming a disciple, I must accept the discipline. James says, because you know, I can't even read that, I'm sorry. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 2 Peter 1.5 says, add to your faith virtue in some translations, goodness here. Add to your faith goodness, add to your goodness knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control perseverance, to your perseverance godliness. There's nothing even remotely Uh, easy about this process. It does seem like a neat little checklist. Faith, discipline, peace. But the truth of the matter is that our entire waking lives on the earth as it is now as we see it and as we are living now has to be the process of continuation of that process. It has to continue to work. We have to continue to get after it. So in my discipleship, whether that's with people or with God through the word or through an elder or a preacher or whatever is happening in our lives, we have to be willing to go through the hard things. I'll tell you why this got hard for me is because when I got through that scripture, I had several questions that I had to ask myself in order to keep going on. When was the last time the Lord disciplined me? Again, I'm not trying to guilt anybody to obedience. Don't misunderstand me. When was the last time that I felt convicted about my own actions or my own thoughts or my own attitude? Did I even hear Him when He disciplined me? How can I even identify the Holy Spirit? Then it got worse. God is going to use everything against me to grow me if I let him. When was the last time my feelings were hurt? When was the last time I didn't think I deserved a certain outcome? When was the last time I decided to look at a hard thing as correction Instead of it being an opportunity to become a victim. I'm, I'm not pointing at anybody in the room. I'm pointing at myself here. This was a really hard thing to get through for me. This discipleship creates perseverance, goodness, knowledge, self-control, God, and godliness. Godliness. When was the last time I judged somebody else's actions or thoughts or attitude? Have I been myself actually pursuing peace, verse 14? With my brothers and sisters in Christ? Then it dawned on me. The more time I spend with God, the more I am convicted and and encouraged to change. The problem with that realization is there's an opposite side to that the less time I spend with God the more I judge others and especially their motivations so I'm feeling pretty beat up at this point uh in the in my study uh didn't really wasn't wanting to go into any great detail it's a whole lot more fun for me to be funny and you know slides one two and three right well, that's easy for me, but that's it's not what I'm called to be doing. I'm called to be pursuing peace and unity. Now, a lot of translations, if you look at your Bible, they will stop in verse, they will stop in verse uh, twelve or thirteen, and then they will do a new paragraph and a whole new title, and then they'll start at number fourteen. It belongs all together. It's the same subject. This isn't new. Never bow down to what someone else thinks you should know from Scripture, including me. That is not true discipline, and it is not true discipleship. Don't even assume that the punctuation that you're reading in your translation is correct. Go figure it out yourself. Dig in. Believe. Faith. Interpret. And then use your heart to listen, not your head. Paul says that there is a peace that surpasses understanding. So if I'm listening with my heart, there's a peace that surpasses my understanding. There is an eternal peace that goes beyond logic, that goes beyond what we think we might be, uh, uh, what we might think we deserve. And there's a peace that is based on what we believe based on reading his word, spending time with Christians, and being a part of the experience of discipleship. In Hebrews 14, pursue peace with everyone. This is the verse that kicked off my, oh, this is in every book. Live in peace with everyone. Hmm. Romans, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Also in Romans, let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Now, Peter. Peter, This is 1 Peter 3. And this is something that I really want you guys to hear because there is a contextual application to this. He says... Whoever would love life and see who would love would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil their lips from deceitful speech and they must turn from evil and do good they must seek peace and pursue it peace isn't being still and being who i was 10 years ago i'm sorry it's not If you're not collectively together as a group of Christians, or in a small group like your life group, or whatever it is that you're involved in, or maybe it's your buddies from when you were 12 that tell you, no, Brad, you're going to be okay. It's, it's fine. Well, it doesn't matter what it is. You have to pursue peace. It doesn't land in your lap. And it doesn't. you don't get there by not working, not going through the discipline of the Lord. When we are exercising our faith and we're using hard stuff as our Heavenly Father disciplines us, if we're using it to iron out our own rough spots, then we are living in peace with our brothers and our sisters. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, says that this is how the world is going to know us. First John 4. Matthew says... That this is, this is what makes us the light of the world, a city on a hill. It's this peace. Communion, go weekend, trunk retreat, women, women's ministry, men's ministry, Bible classes, trek, encounter, rooted groups, life groups, collective. I am not saying nor do I advocate at any moment that I will ever be able to achieve my salvation through my good works. But I am in charge of believing with God's help to a point of action and responsibility. I've got to work my faith. And he'll help me do that. I don't have to do it on my own. So let's see. If my actions and or my inactions are always equal to my belief and or disbelief, in my God, the Father. And if I read this correctly, then I can't even get offended. Let's say that Doug offends me this uh, at some point in the last couple of weeks. Let's say he did. Let's let's just oh he did. Doug offended me in the last couple of weeks, right? Okay. So then what? Is it my job to passively aggressively be just kind of cold to him when I see him at church? No. Is it my job to just kind of, you know, drop some hints and maybe just talk to Cassie and tell her, Doug really hurt my feelings? We have real feelings and that is a real thing, right? But if I'm following this and I'm actually going to be able to pursue peace and unity here, that's how you make disciples go out and make disciples. Well, how do you make disciples? You show what the world doesn't show, which is peace and unity. I have to go to Doug. I can't go to coach Cav. Coach Cav's not going to do anything about it. I can't go to Barry. He's not going to do anything about it. And if I went to any of those people, or even Cody or Jeff Wagner, they'd tell me, you need to kind of go talk to Doug, brother. Seek peace. If that's not your end goal, then you need to look at your, then you need, if you're, if I'm reading Hebrews correctly, and Romans, and Corinthians, and 1 John, if I'm reading those correctly, then I have to seek peace. That's the primary goal. That's what shows the world what his salvation looks like. Now, Hebrews goes on to, and we can't get into it this morning because I have a ham in the oven, but Hebrews goes on to talk about bitterness next in verses 15 through uh, 24. We don't have time for that. That's a three- or four-part lesson series. But what happens when you don't seek peace or unification is you end up with a bitter root in your heart, and we have to avoid that. Now, here's some confession for you. When I was, and it's so interesting how coaches and uh, the communion talk was dead on, I actually didn't even have to get up here because they went over all of this. But when I was a younger dad, I used to get onto my kids because they made me look bad. Well, that's the wrong heart. I had to change the way I was thinking and correct them so that they could understand how the world around them works And learn how to grow and be disciples eventually one day themselves. Because they are, before they are my children, before then, they are children of God. And my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I have to change the way I think. Repentance is not just not doing what was wrong. That's not the definition of repentance. At all. Repentance is a change of heart. It's a change of thought. And from that comes different actions, yes. But I can still have problems with lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. Um, (laughs) Cassie sent me a meme yesterday. It was basically uh, something about um, it's not that it's not that I no longer want to do those things I wanted to do when I was little. I'm just too I'm just now too old, too tired to do it, and that's unfortunate. Because if I can, I cannot, let's say, let's say I have, um, let's say I have a problem with jealousy. And I just refuse to look at other people's stuff so I don't get jealous. That's not repentance. Repentance is working with other people and other, and your God, in order to get to a place where you can look at other people's things and not get jealous. That's repentance. And that is hard. When you're, A week and a half ago when you're pulled aside by your daughter who says, I think you're parenting Heston wrong. Woof. She's right. You got to take that. We all have different kids. We have five individually kids that they all love differently and they all get hurt differently and they all get well differently differently. And they all need different things. C.S. Lewis said, this one is the one I need y'all to hear this morning. Christ, who said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Surely Jesus can truly say to everyone else in groups of Christians around the world, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for each other. You can get lost in the arbitrariness of floating through space on a rock and we just ended up here. That's not how it works. That's not a God we serve. It's not an accident we're here. Dallas Willard said, the greatest challenge the church faces today is to be authentic. Disciples of Jesus. Jesus. I've been debating about saying this next piece. I'm not sure if I'm going to or not yet, but. If Doug hurts my feelings, whether he actually did or not, whether it was justified for me to be hurt or not is not the question. The point is, if I got my feelings hurt by Doug, I cannot, and should not, and will not, in my effective ministry of my own life, ever allow that to prevent me from discipling others, from being a, being a member of a, of a local organization, a local church. I can't use that bitter root. As an excuse not to grow myself, I can't. It's not even remotely effective. Now, are there moments in time when I actually need to kind of sit and have a little bit of a little pity, and I just don't even want to talk to you right now because I know what you're going to say is right, and I'm not ready to do right yet? Those things happen. How long have we been there? <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to say it. Here we go. And I need you to understand where this is coming from. This is coming from my heart and from joy and the fact that I want what all of you want, which is to love Jesus and to love each other. You could look at the mature Christians of our organization and you could understand and maybe even come to the conclusion that we actually have not been discipling at all. Because if you're discipling, you're growing. We have to chase after the one. All of us do. Am I in charge of Doug's happiness? Yes. Is he in charge of mine? Yes. A.W. Tozer said the absence of, con- of, of the concept of discipleship from present-day Christianity leaves a vacuum which men and women instinctively try to fill with a variety of other substitutions. To avoid the snare of unauthorized substitution, I recommend careful and prayerful study of the lordship of Christ and the discipleship of the believer. Maybe we were measuring baptisms, but we weren't measuring discipleship, and maybe we should. I do think that baptism is great. Here in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to be baptized if you want to be. Absolutely, 100%. Put on Christ in baptism. But this is a lifelong struggle of working on my faith, discipleship together, and pursuing effectively and efficiently and as often as possible peace with each other conclusion slide. like we're almost done how about that let's go to john 17 i'm not really going to go for an hour jill it's, uh, just kidding <clears throat> john 17 verses 20 through 23 here we go now here's the setup right setup is this this is the night before Jesus is crucified. He's in the garden and he's praying by himself because everybody else fell asleep. And he goes through this systematic prayer that gets recorded in the book of John here. And he's, he's prayed for the disciples and he, he's prayed for the apostles. And then he starts to pray for us, the group of Christians here in Canadian. My prayer is not for them, the disciples alone. I pray for those also who will believe in, my, in, in me through their message that all of them may be one So I didn't alter scripture, but I did want to go through it here. I want to show you something. I'm going to change the, uh, I'm going to give some, that's a little bit, small for y'all? It is, isn't it? Sorry about that. Let me read it to you because I took out all the pronouns and I put in all the nouns that go there. Ready? And if you want to just listen, that's okay too. And Jesus said, I pray for those who will believe, the Christians and Canadian." In me, Jesus the Son, through the apostles' messages. That all of the Christians in in Canadian may be one. Father, just as you, God the Father, are in me and I in you, God. May the Christians in Canadian also be in us, Father and Son. So that the world may believe. See here, the transition that's happening right here. May they, the Christians in Canadian, be in us so that the world may believe there's your discipleship, there's your growth, there's your peace in you, God the Father, have sent me, Jesus. Jesus, I, Jesus, have given the Christians in Canadian the glory. This is in your thing. They're filling out. This is the last one. I have given the Christians of Canadians the glory that God the Father gave Jesus that the Christians in Canadian may be one as we are one, the Father and Son. I, Jesus, in the Christians in Canadian, and you, God the Father, in me, so that the Christians in Canadian may be brought to complete unity. See here? Then the world will know that you, God the Father, sent me, Jesus, that I have loved the, the Christians in Canadian, even as you, God the Father, have loved me. The son. I didn't make that up. Jesus prayed for us very specifically. If you feel guilty this morning, that wasn't me, that's not the intention. If you feel loved this morning, that was the intention. I didn't want to give the lesson and tried to figure out other ways to do and other things to say and it didn't work out that way. If you're sitting there and you think, well, maybe I want to be a disciple and I want to put on Christ in baptism. There's water in there. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what? Maybe I do need to change a little bit. Maybe I do need to hear the discipline. Maybe I've been ignoring the discipline for a while. And in my case, sometimes it over a decade. And I know for a fact that the shepherds here can all help us do that. This is the good news. The good news of the gospel It's not just heaven. It's not just eternal life. It's peace and unity with all of us. And it's important. Come on up, Barry. You all can go ahead and stand. If you have any need this morning, you're welcome to come down, you're welcome to do it where you are, you're welcome to find an elder or just find somebody that you know, or even better, find somebody that you know in your heart loves you. Find that person and say, I need something, I need some help, or maybe I've been off a little bit, I need to change a little bit, and that's okay too. But you have that opportunity this morning as we sing.